0: This morning I want to start out by asking the question. Have you ever heard the phrase, you are what you eat? Ever heard that phrase? Yeah, I know most of you probably have heard it. So I was thinking about what I was going to speak about this morning, and that phrase came to mind. So um, I started to research that phrase. I sat down. I was just out here in the foyer working on my message, and, and I found a website that just um, talks about language and phrases and the origination of phrases, where they came come from. And I spent about 10, 15 minutes just researching this one phrase, you are what you eat. I know it's an incredibly um, complex job I have as a pastor. So I was, uh, I was on this website, and it was fascinating reading all about this phrase, because what I learned was um, it didn't even begin in the English language. The first time we come across this phrase, you are what you eat, is in a French medical publication back in 1826, and uh, the French phrase translated into English was, tell me what you eat, and I will tell you what you are. That's the first time we, we come across this phrase. And it was a, um, a doctor back in France in the early 1800s. And, and uh, this publication he put out, it said, tell me what you eat and I will tell you what you are. Then later on in the 1800s, 1863, uh, I'm sure you all remember the German essay that was published. Uh, and in that essay it said, der Mensch ist was er ist. Do you remember that? I, mean, I know you're all familiar with that phrase. It just flows off the tongue. And uh, what that means in English is a man is what he eats. So uh, this this phrase is gathering some momentum. It's gathering some popularity, and then finally, in the early 1900s here in America, um, a famous nutritionist by the name of uh, what's his name? I wrote it down here. Victor Lindar. He brought the phrase to our American audience when he said uh, in a lecture, "You are what you eat. You are what you eat. How to win and keep health with diet." So this is fascinating. I'm reading this whole thing. I'm now educating you on this topic. I'm in mean, a good 10 minutes spent reading this. And at one point, I kid you not, as I'm reading this, and I'm reading all about these nutritionists and doctors who were tying in this idea of you are what you eat, I suddenly realized I'm eating a Hershey's cookies and cream chocolate bar. <laughs> I kid you not. I can't make this stuff up. I'm literally, as I'm reading this and I'm eating it, it suddenly crosses my mind. I wonder what I am. Oh, <laughs> I'm a candy bar. And some of you are like, Dave, we didn't need you to tell us that. We, we knew that. So, um, and, and the funny thing is, that particular candy bar that I was eating, um, I just found it back under the coffee bar, under the counter. I was there looking for a pen, and there was this cookies and cream uh, candy bar, and I was like, hey, Jackpot. So uh, someone here this morning who's listened to my message is thinking, that was my cookies. That was my bar. That's my candy bar. We got to eat my candy bar. So, um, But here's where I want to tell that kind of story just to lead things in here, because if it is true that we are what we eat, if I was to say to you, okay, think about the last 24 hours, if you are what you eat and you think back over the last 24 hours, does that excite you or does that terrify you, thinking back over what you ate over the last 24 hours? But if that's our physical food, if our physical food determines who we are, then what about our soul food? Now, I'm not talking about southern fried chicken here. I'm talking about soul food, uh, the very core of who we are, the very essence of our being. If physically we are what we eat, then spiritually, what does it look like in our lives? Because this morning, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, every one of us in this life, there's more than just the physical. There's there's something more out there. Some of us this morning have have recognized that 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 spiritual element, that that part of our life, that can be filled with God who created us. Others are still searching, but but whether you're searching or whether you found God, there's this, this spiritual element inside of us. And just like our bodies need food, so that spiritual side of our nature, that needs feeding too. So I got thinking, what are we doing to feed that side of our body? Because we're in this series right now and it's called Anchored. And we're looking at this, this phrase how do I handle the storms in my life? And so last Sunday, uh, we talked about a story that Jesus told about two builders one was wise and one was foolish. And we learned in this story that, that both builders built houses and, and there was no real teaching from Jesus about the, the house itself. But what he did talk about was the foundation upon which those houses were built. Jesus said very often in life, that's what separates one from another. One life from another. One house from another. Isn't the house itself, but it's the foundation upon which it is built. In this story that Jesus taught and that we looked at last week, he said there were two houses on two foundations. One was rock and one was sand. And there came a point when the storms came and the rains fell and the wind blew And it huffed and it puffed and it blew the house down. That was another story. But there's a a storm came and, and the house was destroyed. And Jesus talked about the fact that the reason one house was destroyed and one wasn't was because the foundation was poor. And we learned last week that the strong foundation, as Jesus taught, is a life that's built upon the teaching of Jesus and obeying and following his teaching now i felt like last week after teaching on this particular subject that many of you left thinking i want a house like that i want to build my house on the foundation i like that story i want to i want to have a foundation that's strong i hope that's how you left last sunday if you were here and you heard me teach on that subject I know some of you left last Sunday thinking, man, I hope he doesn't show a video like that again. That was depressing. Some of you were here last week, and and I know that because some of you told me that, and we showed a video at the end that was quite a moving video about a guy who was battling cancer and how his foundation in Jesus helped him through that difficult time. And I know it's hard to watch videos like that, and I know it's hard to, to, to think about these things, but the reality is when the storms aren't here, we don't want to think about the foundation, but the The truth is that for many of us, there will come a time that we'll face some kind of storm. It might be a health issue. It might be a financial, relational. There'll be something in our lives. And that's when the foundation will be tested. And I feel so strongly as the pastor of Connect Church that one of the the, the things God has called me to do is help you find that strong foundation. Help you build that strong foundation. The challenge for Casey and I is that this isn't just a calling that we feel because we're the pastors of this church. It's the calling that we feel because we've experienced situations up till now. Early on in the life of Connect, we had to walk through uh, with two different families, a very similar situation. It's a very sad situation that affected two different families at two different times. A lot of similarities between what happened. It was a really difficult journey, a really difficult thing that we had to walk through with these families. But what we discovered, Casey and I, was that there was a difference in these two families. One of them had attended church for a while, but it became obvious as we we spent time with this family that their their roots didn't go deep, that they weren't anchored, that they'd been to church and they'd listened, but they'd never really built that foundation. This other family, you could tell that this was more than just something they did for an hour on a Sunday. This was something that impacted their life. The roots went deep. The foundation was strong. And I have to be honest with you, for both families, this was a very difficult time. And it was very painful, and and we experienced the same grief and the same challenges with both families. But one of the families, you could tell that their foundation just held them a little bit stronger. So I want to keep challenging and keep talking about this foundation because I care enough about every one of you that I want you to experience that strong foundation when the storms come. But from now on, I'll go back to showing America's got America's funniest videos as well and uh, funny videos too, but. But this is so real, and that's why we're talking about this series, because I would imagine that for many of you this morning, you're either, you've been through a storm in the past, You're heading into a storm, or maybe right now you're in the middle of a storm. And I know that for you, you may be looking for answers this morning. Maybe you've been looking for answers for a while, and the answers don't seem to be be coming in the way you'd want them to. I want you to experience the foundation of God in the midst of these difficult times. So, hopefully, last week, if you left and you thought, yeah, I want to get that strong foundation this morning I can help answer that question of, well, what does that foundation look like? How do we, how do we build that foundation? What does it look like to, to listen to the words of Jesus, to apply them and to obey them in our lives? And that's what I want to spend a few minutes thinking about this morning. If we are what we eat, listen to what Jesus had to say about that. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is suggesting here that that learning more about him, learning more about what he teaches, and then applying it to our lives, it's like eating. He's saying, I am the bread of life. You're, You're learning more about what it means to be a follower. You're consuming, just like you would food, spiritual knowledge, spiritual understanding. Sometimes I'll find someone and they'll tell me, yeah, I was uh, looking for a church where where I would be fed. That's very important to me. I want to find a church where I'll be fed. Or or sometimes I'll meet uh, individuals or families from other churches who will find a way to connect and we'll talk and they'll say, well, I used to go to this church, but they just weren't really feeding me the way I needed to be fed. And I get that, and I understand that, but um, I wonder this morning what it would be like if, if you left here after service, and you decided as a family you're going to go out for lunch, so off you go to Blacksmiths, Blue Margaritas, wherever you choose, Kept somewhere here in town, somewhere in East Peoria, wherever you go, you decide to go out for lunch, and you arrive, and you sit down, and the waiter or waitress, they come, they take your order. You, you choose something, off they go. You sit there for a while, and they come back. They deliver their food, and then as they go to leave, you say, whoa, whoa stop, just, just a minute. I'm going to need some help here. So uh, if you could just go ahead and feed me. <laughs> just take the knife and fork, just cut. I'll, I'll, I'll be ready when you are. i just, just put it in here. <laughs> You're going to get some strange looks, I'm imagining, from the people around you. Uh, that particular server is probably going to think, I'd better be getting at least 20% on this tip, because this is the weirdest customer I've ever served. And yet some of us do that on a Sunday morning, don't we? We arrive at church and we we get here and we kind of sit down and we put our heads back. Okay, Dave, feed me. And there's nothing wrong with having an appetite to want to grow and to learn more about God. And I love it when I hear that some of you come on a Sunday morning with that expectation of saying, I'm not here just to sit here for, for 25 minutes. I have an expectation that I will be fed this morning. That like when Jesus said that I'm the bread of life, that I will leave feeling like I've, I've eaten, that I've consumed and I've, I've learned more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's all awesome. But if this is the only place you expect that to happen, you're going to go hungry. If this is the only hour of the week where you expect to be fed, then you're going to go hungry. And that's what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about building this foundation. It was a challenge to every one of us to look for opportunities to feed ourselves, to feed not just our body, but to feed our souls, to learn more about him. There's a big church up in Chicago, 15,000 people go there, and uh, several years ago, they did this big church-wide survey. They called it Reveal, and they published the results of their survey because they felt like it was a a really great kind of perspective of church life as a whole because they had so many members at so many different stages of their spiritual journey. And it was fascinating reading the responses of the members and and what it was for them that helped them grow in their faith, what was important for them in a church. The survey was called the Reveal Survey. And um, one of the things it revealed was that many of the people in the church fit predominantly into three different areas. They were either new Christ followers, growing Christ followers, or mature Christ followers. Those were the three kind of categories that they found themselves in. And as they dug deeper into the answers on this survey, they found that there were some things that that really kind of hit the mark at different levels of those three. So for example, one of the things that people saw helped their spiritual development as a new Christ follower was the weekend celebration service. They found that many people who were brand new in their relationship with God, they they checked the box and said, you know, one of the areas I really learn more and I really experienced growth in my life is that weekend celebration service. But then what they found was for the the mature Christ followers, it wasn't so much about the weekend service, they found that contributing was where they saw the growth happen, when they were serving, where they were leading groups, where they, they said, we love the weekend service, but for us, now that we're mature Christ followers, where we find more growth, isn't necessarily the weekend service, it's where we have the opportunity to serve in some way and contribute. So each level had different things. But the fascinating thing about this survey was every single level, when they surveyed people in the church and said, What is it that helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus? From the new Christ followers right the way to the mature Christ followers, the top answer in every single category was reflection on Scripture. Reflection on Scripture, reading the Bible learning more about what Jesus said, not just being fed on a Sunday, but choosing to feed themselves during the week. So whether they were brand new in their journey or they've been following Jesus all their lives, they identified that reflection on Scripture was important for their growth. Even Jesus himself recognized the importance of reflection on Scripture. Even he knew what it looked like to be well-fed. Now, you need to understand, obviously, in Jesus' day, he didn't have the Bible like we do to reflect upon because a big part of the Bible was about him. So it hadn't actually yet been written, okay? All the New Testament, he couldn't read that because that was yet to be written. But he did have what we have in the Old Testament and what in his day and age would have been referred to as the law and the prophets, And as a rabbi and a teacher and uh, an Israelite, he would have spent a lot of time studying and reading that and consuming it so it was like soul food inside of his body. And as a result of that reflection on Scripture and that reading, that foundation was being built. And the great thing about a foundation is there will be a time when storms come. And that's when you find out how anchored you really are. So for Jesus, one of the very first storms that he faced was when he chose, before going into his public ministry, to spend 40 days praying and fasting in the wilderness. We read about his life that he went off into the wilderness and he was alone for 40 days and he wasn't eating. And during this time, he was concentrating on praying and seeking God's will. And we learn that towards the end of these 40 days, in his hunger, maybe even in his pain, that the devil came to tempt him, that the storms came. In fact, there came a point where at one point the devil came and said, I know you're hungry, but you're Jesus. You're the son of God. He hadn't yet done any miracles, but this is the man who would go on to turn uh, water into wine and five loaves and two fishes into enough to feed thousands of people. So the devil says to him, you could take one of these rocks and you could turn it into bread right now. And that was a legitimate temptation for Jesus right then because he was hungry. And the devil was reminding him, hey, all you've got to do is turn this into bread. And right now, all that hunger can go, you can eat. And listen to how Jesus responds. Matthew, one of the writers of the life of Jesus, he tells us in Matthew 4.4 that Jesus responded by saying, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now here's why this is really important to understand what it is that Jesus just said. Jesus isn't just combating the devil with what he believes to be true. This is scripture. He's quoting a verse back at the devil from the Bible. Because Jesus had spent time reflecting on scripture, reading scripture, trying to understand the Bible in years gone by, now when he's faced with the storm, now when he's in the midst of the difficult time, what's in him comes out. And it's scripture. I wonder how you do. It. I wonder what's in you, what comes out when you're in the storm. How many of you remember the movie A Few Good Men? Anyone remember that movie? love that movie and there's a great scene towards the end of the movie even if you don't remember anything about the movie this is the scene that you remember it's the scene when Jack Nicholson is on the stand and Tom Cruise is a lawyer and he's badgering him and he's asking him these questions and and he's pushing and he's pushing he's getting tougher and tougher and finally Jack Nicholson finally says you can't handle the truth he says it in American accent you can't handle the truth (laughs) sounded just like Jack didn't it (laughs) Canadian Jack. Um, and I love that scene. I love that thought of that lawyer being able to push him into a corner and finally what's in him comes out and it explodes and the truth comes out. I've got a friend in England, he's a lawyer, and I was very disappointed to learn a few years ago when I was talking about his job that courtrooms, at least for him in England, are nothing like that. He's never got Jack Nicholson to suddenly explode and confess to the crime he committed. Do you know, I found that he's only actually ever used the word objection once. I was like, you're kidding. I'm so glad I know that. I could have spent years training to be a lawyer thinking I was going to get to shout, objection. He said even when he used it, it was more like, um, actually, uh, no, Your Honor, uh, I object to that. It was even really kind of lame the way he said it. I want to believe that in these courtroom situations, these clever lawyers are able to corner people into suddenly revealing what's inside of them. And the truth comes out. And I think that's where Jesus was in this moment of hunger and, and despair and pain. And the devil's tempting him and he's hungry. And it's, it's a legitimate temptation because Jesus is thinking, I could do that. I could eat everything. All this hunger, pain, all this could go right now. But what is inside of Jesus comes out. And it's this, this, this verse in the Bible that he's read, that he's meditated on. It comes out from inside of him. He says, I don't need to turn these rocks to bread because even though I'm starving, there is more to life than just bread. And here's the thing, in quoting this verse, he's not just quoting a verse, he's reminding the devil of an entire chapter of history for the Israelites. Because this verse actually represents an incredible miracle that God did thousands of years before in the life of the Israelites with Moses. So we're going to go back and look at that here real quick, just to set some context to to why this this verse that Jesus quoted was such a profound and such an important verse to quote in that moment. All the way back in the Old Testament, there's a book called Exodus, and it focuses in on the life of Moses and him delivering the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and taking them across the the wilderness and into their ultimate home, the promised land that would become uh, Israel. And it wasn't an easy journey. They've been living in slavery for hundreds of years, and no sooner have they got into the wilderness than they're starting to complain to Moses. He set them free. He's rescued them. They were miserable in slavery. But as soon as they're in the wilderness, they start to question whether this was a bad idea. Listen to what happened in Exodus 16.3. This is the Israelites complaining. They say, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us out into this wilderness to starve us all to death. The truth is, they'd actually gone just a a few hours, maybe even a day or two without food. And they're starting to question everything. They're like, God, this was terrible. We know we were in slavery back there, but, but we sat around pots of meat. Which I think is a weird kind of, I mean, what, is it like fondues? What were they doing there? Is it like a Brazilian steakhouse? They were just full of these pots of meat everywhere. You know, pots of meat actually reminds me of a, a, a great story, so... Yesterday, so as you know, one of my dreams when we were uh, renovating this space to become our church home was that this, this wouldn't just be a building that Connect Church uses for two hours on a Sunday morning and then sits empty all week. Our desire is that this becomes a community space, that people in the community can come in and use rooms or use the auditorium, uh, that we can serve the community in whatever way we can. And, and yesterday, our church got to co-host uh, an amazing event that made a huge difference, and there was a lot of meat involved. I want to tell you real quickly about that event, because it was a great day. So our wonderful neighbors, next door AJ Storage, uh, one of the guys, Dane, attends our church from next door. They, they partnered with the St. Jude Corvette Drive Club, and uh, they decided to do a fundraiser to raise money for St. Jude. And the fundraiser they did was a steak cook-off. So I kid you not, they said, could we use your parking lot? Could the judges uh, be in this uh, building to do the judging of the steak and the chicken wings? And uh, I was like, yeah, definitely, that would be great. So yesterday, it was about 40. And these guys, I mean, they are serious. They drove like from Indiana, Iowa, with these trucks, with these big grills on the back. And they're arriving, and they're getting these huge pieces of steak that they're competitively cooking. The guy who, who won the competition yesterday won $1,000 for the steak he cooked and a golden ticket to enter this other competition nationwide where all these steak cookers come from around the world. They're all going up there and collecting their prizes and they're talking about, well, I cooked on this grill and I used this seasoning, and I'm thinking, I cook on a Weber, <laughs> and my seasoning is whatever I cooked last time, and it's just still on the grill and it just, you know, <laughs> comes through on the meat this time. It's great. Burger tastes like chicken. Well, next time it's going to taste the chicken will taste like a burger. So uh, they're like serious. And it was great to see the building used. And it was great to see what's going on. But the best part of the day is Dane, he comes to me last week. He says, hey, in the, uh, the chicken wing contest, would you like to be a judge? And here's the crazy thing. I actually kind of took a little bit of time getting back to Dane because I wasn't sure. And when I was doing it yesterday, I was like, why did I even hesitate? This is the best job in the world. So here's my uh, little uh, bowl of chicken wings that I had yesterday. Talk about a pot of meat. Look at that. So I had to judge the chicken wing contest. And I know it looks like they're all half eaten. That's because as a judge, I was only allowed to take one bite and then I had to score it. And then I uh, had to rinse my mouth with water and some oyster crackers to cleanse my palate. I mean, these guys are serious. And then the next chicken wing. So on I went, and I actually kept them all in order, because I knew which ones I liked, and I went back afterwards and made sure to finish off all the ones that I enjoyed. (laughs) Seriously, again, it's hard work being the pastor of this church, but... uh, Difficult job. Someone has to do it. Now, the cool thing is, um, we actually had somebody from Connect who was competing in the chicken wing contest, uh, Drew Hellman, who's about to leave the room. He's, uh, he was there yesterday. And you need to know, this is a national competition, okay? People coming from all over the place. And this guy, he's, he comes, he cooks, he finishes 13th. That's incredible. I know. Let's give him a round of applause. I mean, there's... There's people from all over, and I got to judge all 14 competitors. So, uh... <laughs> hey, <laughs> when you're being chased by a bear, you haven't going to be the fastest. You've just got to be faster than the guy behind you, and you did it, Drew. You stayed just ahead of the last guy, so well done. <laughs> So just to give you a visual for the pots of meat that the Israelites were missing, I just took a little detail there to, to celebrate the, the great work that God is doing. They raised almost $10,000 for St. Judea's Day. It was an amazing event. There's a little guy in our community called Aiden who, uh who is battling cancer right now. His mum and dad were there. His dad was a judge with me. And it was just great to see. And, and so many of you are involved in St. Jude uh, fundraising events in one way or another. So it was just brilliant to see. And I loved that Connect was able to partner and do this. And that will come again next year. So there'll be more opportunities to enter and uh, cook chicken wings. And I'm hoping there'll be more opportunities to judge. But... Uh, They've gone just a few days without food, and they're starting to freak out. And listen to what happens in Exodus 16, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. And we're introduced to this this very unique, interesting thing that we don't know a huge amount about in the Old Testament called manna. That God provided this, this manna for them to eat every day. He supplied their needs every day. We don't know what manna is. It says in Exodus 16, 14, when the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. A flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. We don't know what these flakes were, but they, they looked like frost, and it turns out that when they ate these frosted flakes, they were great. <laughs> and they, they, the Israelites, this is what they lived on for months God provided. So I tell you, like, Dave, why are you telling me all this? Well, listen, hang in there. Yeah, I'm getting there. Years later, Moses is reminding the Israelites, they've come a long way now, and they're about to enter the promised land. Their their, their destiny is complete. And Moses is kind of going through a little history of what God's done to bring them. He's reminding them of all the great ways that God provided And in Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, he says, Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Do you recognize that verse? Moses is telling the Israelites in reminding them about the time they were starving and God provided what they needed God was teaching you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. When Jesus combated the enemy, in that moment of temptation, he said, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus wasn't just quoting this verse from Deuteronomy. Jesus was reminding him of an entire chapter of Israel's history. He was saying, yes, I'm hungry. But my meditation and reflection on Scripture and on the history of the Jews and the Israelites reminds me right now in this moment that yes, I could turn this rock into bread. But man doesn't live on bread alone. Just like God provided back then, God continues to provide. And I know that even though I'm hungry right now, God will provide. What's in him came out. When he was tempted by the devil, imagine if it read and and the devil tempted Jesus and he was hungry and Jesus responded by saying, man, I hope this Sunday at church, they're in a series that's talking about what to do when you're hungry and you're being tempted. Because then I might learn what to do in this situation. Jesus had already spent time reflecting on scripture, learning, growing. And because of that, he was able to, to respond to the enemy in that way. So I want to push on this just a little bit as we we come to a close here this morning. I think reflection on Scripture is so important. I think being fed in this way is so important. I think that's what we learned last week is what builds the foundation in our lives. So when the storms come, we are anchored because we didn't just rely on an hour on a Sunday morning to tip back our heads to be fed. We, we chose to do some feeding of ourselves. And that can happen through many different ways. Maybe you, you join a small group where you, you get to study the Bible together. Maybe it's coming on a Sunday and learning more. Maybe it's listening to a podcast or watching another message online somewhere. But, but one of the best ways of growing and being fed is by consuming the Word yourself. Feeding the soul yourself. 87% of people in the U.S. say that they own Bibles. So that's basically 9 out of 10 Americans say they own at least one Bible. That doesn't count the number of people who have an app on their phone or their computer that has the Bible on it. But in that same survey, when asked how many people read it, even a little bit daily, only two out of Americans say they do. Now, I don't want to feel, you to feel like I'm, I'm giving you a hard time this morning. If I'm honest, I don't read every single day. I try. That's my goal is to read and to consume and to, to be fed and to learn every single day. But it's my goal to be fed, to learn more about Scripture. In the early Jewish tradition kids had to learn and memorize what was called the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. So they had to memorize every... I mean, if you look from Genesis through the first five books of the Bible, that's a lot of stuff. Kids would start as young as five years old. So what the teachers would do back then, the rabbis, is they would have honey. And they would dip the kid's finger in honey and then the kid would recite a verse and if he got it right, he got to eat the honey. Back then, honey was like candy. In fact, in Psalm 119, 103, this this practice is is talked about. The psalmist says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. So I want to challenge you this week, build that foundation. Start to read some scripture. I don't have any honey to give you this morning, I'm afraid. Maybe I can get some more cookies and cream, Hershey's bars, and get enough for everyone, treat you all. And some of you may think this morning, Dave, I, I hear what you're saying, I want to do that, but I just don't even know where to start. And I get that. The Bible wasn't put together as a book to be read like a novel, start to finish. I mean, it's very difficult to understand. There aren't many who can just pick the Bible up and read it just alone and fully understand everything that's in it. But there are some great resources that can help you in your reading and studying of the Bible. If you've never downloaded the Bible app on your phone, it's a wonderful app. There's so much to it. It's not just the Bible, and it is that. You can go and you can read um, uh, any verse from the Bible. You can read it in different translations. Some people are very familiar with the King James Version. Maybe you you grew up with your parents or your grandparents. That was the version they read, and that's a translation from hundreds of years ago. So it's kind of written more in old English, but there are new modern translations. That it's still the same core words, but just in a more contemporary language. But the great thing about the Bible app is there are reading plans, and you can select a plan, and the plan might be for you know, reading the Bible as a, as a businessman, or as a mom, or as a single mom. Or, and there are different plans for different situations in life. And it helps you just read some passages of Scripture and then apply them to the situation that you're in. Maybe that's the way this week that you can start going and feeding more than just on a Sunday morning. Another great resource that I've just come across recently uh, is another app, and it's called Read Scripture. If you search for this app in your uh, phone, it'll be on Google or iPhone. It's called Read Scripture. It's brilliant. It's put together by an organization called The Bible Project. And every day it lays out a short two or three chapters that you can read. But it also has a video that you can watch. And these videos are so well done. They're these, these kind of cartoon videos, if you've ever seen them, like the drawings. and um, it's, it's kind of explained. So before you even read Genesis, as you watch this video, the narrator, through graphics and through these kind of cartoon images, is explaining why the book of Genesis is even there. Why was it written? What's it talking about? Who wrote it? Why did they write it? How long ago did they write it? What was going on? So now before you have to read a couple of chapters from Genesis, you get to understand more why Genesis is even in the Bible. And it breaks it down into daily readings with daily videos. It's it's just great. It will take maybe 10 or 15 minutes a day. And here's the thing. It's a discipline. It's like going to the gym or, or watching what you eat. Some of you may have to set your alarms, get up a little bit earlier. Maybe you have an evening before you go to bed, just just budget some time and say, I want to spend some time, just five, 10 minutes. But when Jesus was tempted, what came out of him was that reflection on scripture. We talked last week about the foundation, and storms will come. I want you to learn what it is to to dig deeper, to feed yourselves, to, to see not just your physical body grow, but your spiritual body grow, so that when the storms come, you're ready. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you, Lord. You know, when we read the Bible, it it, it amazes me sometimes because there were so many accounts within Scripture, and and God spoke to Moses, and God spoke to Abraham, and we think, man, God, it would be so much easier today if you would just speak to us the way you spoke to Joseph and Abraham. But the reality is, Lord, you do Back then, Moses and Abraham, they didn't have the Bible. We do. This is your voice to us. Lord, there have been times where I've read a particular verse at a particular moment in my life, and it's like you're speaking directly to me. I know people have shared that they felt like that on a Sunday morning. And Lord, I know you want to do that so much more than just... In a, in a one-hour period on a Sunday morning. to so help us to, to set up this discipline, to build this foundation in our lives so that when the storms do come, if they come, we're ready. In Jesus' name, amen.